Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC Podcast, brought to you by Pastor Ad Bosho. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. Matthew 7, Jesus in your Bible read words, therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise woman. No, I will liken him to a wise man. You can't decide and compete in sport. Now I'm going to upset somebody, but there's too much rubbish out there in the world. We have to get back to the Word of God. Our, word, our world is in a hopeless state because people are disregarding the Word of God. A wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man or a foolish woman. What does it say? Foolish woman. But it's the same thing. Foolish man. Who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great what is, was it full. I want to talk to you about building a strong, victorious life because I do believe that God promises us victory. You're not going to find a scripture in the New Testament where God says, give up hope and it's all over. No matter what your battle, no matter the size of your giant, no matter how severe your storm, no matter how bad the tragedy, and we all face tragedy. If you live long enough, there's tragedy, there's pain, there's hurt. There's betrayal. There are things that happen, but we are not quitters because we learn from our Lord and Savior and we follow His example through the Word of God. We need to build lives that weather storms, lives that know how to overcome, lives that endure, lives that persevere, lives that are resilient. That means no matter what, I'm not going to give up. Not going to change my confession. I'm not going to change my expectation. My hope is in the Word of God. Coming on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So Jesus makes it clear. Listen, both houses, both of them, experience exactly the same rains that descend, the storms that blow, and the floods that come. Both houses. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, Christians, uh, when they go through trials and tribulations, they think, why me, Lord, what have I ever done? You've done nothing. You're just alive. But whether you are a Christian or not a Christian, the storms are coming your way. <laughs> the difference is, and Jesus makes it pretty clear, the one house stands, the other house falls. And He makes it clear. What is the determining factor? Because storms come to us both. I mean, I don't want to overquote that scripture, John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, these things I've spoken unto you that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer after you've shed a tear, okay? I have overcome the world. So He promises you victory in the midst of a storm, but we have to know how. Two things you need, faith and wisdom. I'm going to talk a little bit about faith today and wisdom next week. Because the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. When all hell breaks loose, when a storm hits your life, your house, whatever the house represents, 
your character, your emotion, your physical body, your marriage, the children that you're raising up, whatever God has called you to do, when the storms of life come against that which you are building, you have to know how to stand, not just survive. You have to know how to stand. You have to know how to endure. You have to know how to outlast the storms and the trials of life. Because my brother, sometimes you just have to stand. And after having done all to stand, you have to stand. You have to stand praising God. When all, oh come on, when all the hell breaks loose, when nothing makes sense, you have to get those hands in the air. And you've got to praise the Lord and just keep on praising Him. Somebody in this place, give the Lord a praise. Come on. You are walking through a valley this morning. So the difference between the two houses are the one is built on a solid rock, but the other one is built on sinking sand. And we never know if we're not dedicated to the Word, what our foundation is. Uh, this building in Pretoria, by the way, this was an architectural marvel or a structural engineering marvel. This entire structure, you won't find this anywhere else in South Africa, the size of these trusses, etc. They stand on two pillars right behind the stage, 25 meters deep, six meters by six meters. Now work it out, full of concrete and steel. This whole roof, that's a cantilever. You can't see it's painted black. But this whole structure rests on the foundation of two pillars. I mean, I said to Dr. Louis when we built this building, I said, Jammel toch man, ons gooi trok na trok na trok na trok na trok na trok na trok en die reek nog aan ching 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 kling 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 but we had to do it so that when you walk in here it's safe so that the house is strong now we understand that any found, the foundation determines the strength of the house, the building the strength of the foundation also determines the height of the building that will be tested if there are cracks in the foundation, the cracks will appear in the house, in the life later on. If the foundation is weak, then weakness will appear later on in life. We understand when we raise our children, the first five years are formative years where we teach them to love God. And I want to encourage young parents, I'm so proud of you. When I walked on the platform uh, an hour before the service and I saw so many musicians with their children, you are raising another generation. You don't want to be the last generation serving God. That's why come Sunday, you want to dress Yanni and Sunny. You want to dress Tabu. You want to dress your, your, your Tabi Singh. You want to dress them up two years old, three years old. You want to get them in the house of God because you are raising a super generation. I mean, my grandson, Marka, MJ, he already prays in tongues. Three years old, he prays in tongues. If, 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 if he thinks there's sickness in you, he says, let me pray for you in Jesus' name. They, we need to raise our children in the ways of God. Not one week you stay at bed with, in a, at home with the kids and next week your husband stay in bed with the kids. You get your kids dressed. It's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice worth making because you are raising your children in the ways of God, teaching them to build their lives on a solid foundation. Come on. Because if we, if we rely on education and the education systems, our kids are going to be very confused. So... I want to say this, and you need to hear me. The Word of God is not just an option to build your life on. The Word of God is the only way to build your life. Not treating God's Word like a menu, but taking these Scriptures, studying these Scriptures, devouring these Scriptures, 
and allowing these scriptures to become the foundation of your life. Because God watches over His Word to perform it, not your sentiment and emotion. He's going to weep with you, but you better build your life on the Word of God. This Word is tested, the Bible says, in the furnace of the earth. This is what God performs in your life. This is what God confirms in your life. This is what God blesses in your life. Because the Bible says His Word is exalted above His name. Not your culture, not your sangoma, not your ancestor. You have to exalt the Word of God above everything else in your life. The Word of God must be the authority in your life. Say amen this morning in Jesus' name. You can't take the Bible and if you think it's not working, you go look for alternative options. There's not an alternative option. You have to build your life on solid ground. And it's the person who hears the Word and does the Word. And Satan knows this. That's why he's going to do everything in his power to keep you from the Word. He'll give you every reason not to go to church on a Sunday. I'll show you now what Jesus says about it. He'll give you every reason not to read your Bible. He'll give you every reason not to go to home cell, not to go to Bible school, to skip church, to be a once a month church attendee. My brother, listen to me. Jan, the storms are so bad. Ek is nie profeet wat dood oor jou uitspreek nie. Maar die storms is op pad. En jy beter seker maak dat voor die storms jou huis tref. That that house has been built. That you've built your life upon the word of God. Because my brother and my sister, sometimes the storms of life come and we want to build the house. We want to build the house uh, while the storms are blowing. That's when we have to keep the house standing in Jesus' name. That's why we have to stand on the word of God. Come on. Put it on. Come on. The storms of life comes. That's what's going to happen. It's going to blow your house over. If the house is not founded upon the Word of God, are you listening to me this morning? Right? So you see people and you say, what happened to that person? That person treated the Word of God like something by the way. Not that the Word of God is life. That the Word of God is God's guidance that the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Ghost, that this is God's wisdom and God's principles for you to live by. And the only way you get faith is not in pick and pay. You have to study the Word of God, hear the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, because Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So the just shall live by faith. We please God by faith, Hebrews 11 verse 6. We overcome by faith, 1 John 5 verse 4. Anything not of faith is in Romans 14, 23. So sometimes we move out of faith and I understand there's a season. You get a bad report. We have to deal with things like this as well sometimes as families and your emotions want to take over. And I understand that. But remember, when Jairus came to Jesus and he said, come lay your hand on my little girl. She's at the point of death. He wasn't telling a lie. He was stating a fact. Then the woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of Jesus' garment. She's healed. And people come from the ruler's house and say, trouble the master no longer. It's all over. And Jesus says, fear not, only believe. Well, what those people came, what the doctor said, what the bank manager said is not a lie. It's a reality. But that reality is subject to change. Subject to submit to truth, which is the Word of God. I love watching intelligent people debate. 
I don't want to throw the names out here, but, um, and I don't want to say the podcast because some of you will think I'm not saved, but he's a man very famous in the UFC in America that are now interviewing a lot of people that have turned to Christ. People that were atheists, people that were agnostic. The number one conspiracy theorist in uh, America, they decided after he, uh, he came with his Kennedy assassination, the 9-11, and he has his proof documented, etc., etc., written books and all his conspiracy theories, decided I'm now gonna prove that the Bible is the greatest hoax ever. And I'm gonna show that it's a conspiracy theory. Now he sits on Brother Joe's show. I call him brother because he's gonna get saved, okay? And uh, he says to him, listen, Joe, I was out to prove that the Bible is a hoax. I never believed the Bible. I never believed it. He says, but after three weeks reading the Bible, I saw that the Bible is the foundation of truth and the Bible is something supernatural that is way beyond any human being's control. Come on, the Word of God, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. Come on, family. We need to thank God for the Word of God and show respect for the Word of God by getting ourselves in church on a Sunday, getting ourselves into home cells, getting ourselves into our prayer closet, reading the Word of God, because Thy Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He watches over His Word. His Word sanctifies you, purifies you, renews your mind. We cannot treat the Word as one of the options in life. We have to understand, if you want to build a house, that is that fan not working? Well, it wasn't a strong fan because that house didn't want to fall in any case. If, if, if you want to treat the Word of God as a menu, then you will have certain areas of your life work and others not. So let's see what Jesus says about this, the importance of the Bible, right? What is Satan after? People say, I'm under an attack. The devil attacks one thing in your life, and that is the Word of God. Satan is after your faith. Storms and circumstances are designed to intimidate you and to rob you of your faith. I'm going to show you now. Because you overcome by faith. This that I hold in my hand is the devil's worst nightmare. Not a Christian praying in tongues, but a Christian who prophesies or speaks the Word of God under the inspiration of God. Because when you open your mouth and you speak the Word of God, you are announcing the will of God, declaring the will of God. That's why the devil, I'll say it again, will do everything in his power to keep you from the Word. Hosea 4 verse 6, my people perish for what? Not lack of anointing, lack of knowledge, ignorance. We're living in the age of information and when you ask people, what does the Bible say? They don't know. Oh, they know everything about Eskom. They know everything about the ANC. They know who's corrupt and who's not corrupt. They know everything. But when it comes to Scripture, they don't know the Bible. I'm not here to criticize you. I'm here to help you. Because if you want that house of yours to stand, you're going to have to learn to respect God's Word more than anything else. And you're going to have to learn to submit yourself to God's Word and give God's Word final authority. God's Word is not a debate. If God said it, that settles it. If God said it, you don't question it. If God says it, you do it. If God says it, you obey it. If God said it, you apply it. If it's in the Bible, it's God's will for you, my brother and my sister. Not, but. There's no but when it comes to God. That but will land you on your butt. 
So, so, so don't think because we clap hands and worship uh, that we have no reverence for the Word of God. This, uh, the things we revere when we come to church on Sunday is God's presence, number one. The Holy Spirit, amen. And the Word of God. That's why we don't sit on our cell phones and send a quick direct message to somebody while you're sitting in church. What the heck are you doing? I'll tell you what you're doing. Satan is messing with you. He's stealing the Word from you. Sitting here right now while I'm preaching the Word, you're thinking what you're going to have for lunch. Pay attention. I'm not a politician talking to you. I'm speaking God's Word to you. Now you decide. Yeah, I'll give the Lord a praise. Come on, give Him a praise. So, um, as a starting point, can we both agree that both houses endured exactly the same storms? Can we agree that one house stood, the one house fell? Can we agree? Can we agree the difference was both heard the word? Can we agree on that? Both heard. You all hear. All of you are listening to me right now. Your response to what you are hearing will determine the outcome of your life. You treat God's word by the way, you will fall by the way. You give God's word your attention. If God says it, you do it, no matter how you feel. If God says tithe and it's biblical, you tithe. You don't debate. If God says forgive, you forgive, no matter how you feel. He didn't say forgive when you feel like it. He says forgive so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. Why do you want to live in that prison of bitterness? If your way out is in the Word of God and that is to forgive. Because God will confirm His Word. When you obey the Word of God, your emotions will come in line with God's Word. I say to people all the time, there's no exception. When people come with a but, they want to be outside of God's Word. They say, I know what the Bible says, Pastor, but they want an exception. No, an exception leads to deception. There's no exception. There's only deception. Are you with me this morning? Huh? Hello? Don't go quiet on me now. Uh, okay, I understand you're paying attention. So let's see what Jesus said. My word, stop the time. Let's see if I can be Joshua. Sun stands still. <laughs> no, I'm not Joshua, I'm Adam. So Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 9, He says, Again, He began to teach this by the sea, and great multitudes was gathered to Him, so that He got into the boat and sat in it on the sea, used water to carry the sound, very brilliant mind Jesus was. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many by things, many things by parables, and he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some on stony ground where it did not have much earth. Immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed, same seed, right? Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. 
and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground. Say, that's me. Say it. Say it. Say, I'm good ground. Come on, say it. Say, I'm good ground. Say that. Ach, do no man. Praat met my vanochtend. Say, ek is goeie grond. Say it. Say, I am good ground. Say it. And uh, it sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. And he said, you yesterday, let me, let's see who's the sharpest in the church quickly. So, um, no, I'm just joking. Um, no, now the intellectuals sit up, which is all of you. So, the same sower, the same seed, how many responses? Quick, shout it out. One, two, three. Okay. Uh-uh. Same sower. How many different responses? No. Not four. Try again. Not three. No. Yes. One. No. Same sower. Four different kinds of soil, ground, in the heart. How many responses to the word? Six, thank you. There's one right answer. Six. Same word. Same sower. Six different outcomes. The soil, the individual that receives the word, determines the level of how God produces in that individual's life. You are the ground. Now let's see what Jesus says to explain this parable. Because He says when the disciples asked Him, um, acting clueless again, He said to them the following in verse 13. He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any other parable? Because this is how God's kingdom operates. On the basis of seed time and harvest. On the basis of a sower sowing seed and he makes it clear to these disciples now he says the sower sows the word everybody hears the same word people respond differently for whatever reason background fear doubt whatever it is but you have to understand the way you receive the word of God the way you respond to the word of God will determine what God's Word can produce in your life. So uh, uh, the two houses, the one was wise, the one was foolish, the one um, heard the Word, listen, and yes, the key did the Word. James 1, 22, be, but do not be hearers of God's Word, deceiving yourself, but be doers. So sometimes we hear God's Word and we actually think we are obedient to God's Word. No, my brother and my sister, you have to live the Word of God. You have to do the Word of God in season, out of season, with deliberate intent, with discipline in mind. You have to act on the Word of God in season, out of season, because God watches over the Word, okay? So the six responses, let me give them to you very quickly. And these are the and this is not God's decision. Make it very clear. God's not a respecter of persons, but He most definitely is a respecter of principles. You respect God's principles, you will benefit by the principles of God. Because He watches over His Word. 
Amen. We, 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 we definitely don't all start at the same place uh, in life. But when we come to the foot of the cross, the ground is level. And God's Word has the ability to get you out of a squatter camp, to get you out of a victim mindset, to get you out of inferiority, to get you out of low self-esteem, and to get you into a place where you can believe, I'm blessed, I'm a royal priesthood, I am good, I'm mighty, I'm going to do great things for God in Jesus' name. If you believe the Word of God, you have to receive it, you have to believe it, and you have to respond to the Word of God. Because God's Word will produce a harvest of a Christ image, Christ esteem, confidence, whatever you require to live in life. Uh, uh, so people are so beaten down by life and by so many things. And, and I'm just shocked at how few people give any attention to God's Word. Listen, the, the bigger your business, the more your nose should be in the Bible. The, the higher your profile in politics, the more regard you should have for the Word of God. The more you should spend time in the Word of God. God's Word can never become a by the way, little option for you in life. Never can. And your worship of God neither. Listen to me. God set the first day of the week apart so that we can come and worship Him. Every Sunday when you show up, you say, God, I reverence You. God, I worship You. God, I honour You. You are the most important person in my life. We can never compromise our gathering, compromise our worship to God. Never. Because it is our privilege to worship God. Come on, say Amen in Jesus' name. It's a privilege. Even if you're sitting to the, in the traffic for half an hour, it's a privilege. Don't get irritated because you sit in traffic to drop your child at school, but you don't want to sit in traffic to do the most important thing in your life, and that is to worship the living God. Come on, can I have somebody here this morning? Just give the Lord a worship. Give Him a praise. Give Him an offering. Lift your voice. Come on. Don't get too busy for God. Come on. Never, never, never. I've watched people when they get too busy for God, how their houses begin to crack, almost I said crap, how their houses begin to crack. Uh, Paul used that word as well, don't fall off your seat please. Because now they don't have time. God bless them and they don't have time. And it's exactly what the Bible talks about. I have to go quick. It says, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately. Guess what? The devil is in church this morning. That WhatsApp message you are getting while you're sitting in the church. That's the devil. Because the devil knows you're in church. So he's getting that goal to WhatsApp you, to distract you, to steal the Word of God from you. Block your cell phone when you come to church so that only your notes are open so nothing steals the Word of God from your life. Come on, give God's Word your priority attention. Give God's Word your full attention. Come on, in Jesus' name. Pay respect when it comes to God's Word if you got one God's Word to change your life. Honour God by honouring His Word. So Satan comes immediately to take away the Word that was sown in their heart. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the Word of God, immediately they receive it with gladness. Huh, that was a great message, Pastor. But when they went home and they said, I went to CRC, somebody said, Oh, are you now one of those happy clappies? And there you fell apart. Well, at least you're not one of those sucking lemon, pruny, pruny Christians. Amen. You're happy. Come on, you're happy. You're happy. Your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on. You sanctified, you redeemed, you blood washed, you unapologetic, you unashamed. 
You're radically saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and you're not going to apologize for your drunk buddy. You're going to get your drunk buddy in church. And he's going to praise God. The same one who mocked Jesus will come and praise God the loudest. Hallelujah. I was one of those. I mocked the church. I mocked charismatics. I mocked Pentecostals. I mocked tongue-talking believers. Then God got a hold of me. And now, my brother, I am loud, loud, loud and unashamed. Hallelujah. They have no root in themselves and so endure for a time afterward when tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble or they are offended. Now these are the ones sown among thorns, the ones who hear the word, so they last longer in church, the cares of the world, natural concerns, the deceitfulness of riches, running after money at the expense of serving God, running after fame, not time for God, because God blessed you with a farm, so every Sunday you have to go sit and look at your three booker. What the heck is that? Sometimes people say, God blessed me with a far more holiday house. I say, God, why did you do that? Because that brother's never going to put his foot in church again. Hey, don't let your possessions manage you. You enjoy it at the right time, but you serve God, you honor God, you praise God, no matter how much your wealth, because naked you came in the world and naked you are going to leave this world. Come on. Your life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess, but by doing the will of God, the higher God takes you, the more you want to bless God and worship God in Jesus' name. Shout Amen in Jesus' name. And the desires for other things enter in and it chokes the Word and the Word becomes unfruitful. That's a period of time. People last five years, six years, seven years. People were on fire for God and... Uh, in church, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Uh, and people don't just backslide overnight. They move from the front row to the back row and then out of the church. I'm just joking, okay? All you that are sitting in the front. You know, if two weeks from now I see you sitting there, I know you're busy leaving. You're busy exiting. Cares of this world. So you believe in God for your breakthrough vision. Um, and out of context, you don't understand God's timing and God's seasons and the sovereignty of God in your life. So you become discouraged. And the case of the world, things we concern about. Concern. Hey, Jesus loves you, TBN, One Gospel, Praise TV. What an honor to bring God's Word for you. Come on, cast all those cares upon Him. He loves you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the cares of the world can, can weigh us down because the cares, na- we're talking natural, not spiritual. Naturally, cares bring with them worries and concern, fear and doubt and they steal your peace. That's why Jesus in me you will have peace. So the cares of this world do not overwhelm you. What do we do with cares? We cast it upon the Lord. We do not worry. Because the Bible says the nations of the world worry about the things they should eat, drink, uh, where they will sleep, where they will work, etc. We don't. We have a Father. We make our requests known with thanksgiving. We pray to God. We stand before a throne of grace. We have a Father. We have a spirit of adoption. We are not orphans. We are sons and daughters of the living God. So when the storms of life come, we position ourselves in the throne of grace and we say, Father, help like Jehoshaphat who said we have no power over this multitude. God, I don't know what to do. And my brother and sister, I've been there where I've not had an idea what to do. And I just raised my hand and I said, God, help help, 
help, help in Jesus' name. And I tell you, the grace of God is there and the grace of God is sufficient and the grace of God will sustain you and the grace of God will carry you if you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Someone say amen in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't give up because of cares, because we all have cares. Little cares and big cares. I said to a pastor came to visit me the other day. He spoke about his staff. He's got about 20 people employed and the challenges he has with staff. I said, little church, little problems. Big church, big problems. For us, opportunities. Amen. Little responsibility, little case. Big responsibility, big case. We all have case, but we choose not to carry it because he carried it. Your budget, come on. Your finances, come on. Your health, come on. Whatever you are facing, you cast. God knows that you need money to pay your staff. God knows that you need money to feed your children. God knows. God's not abandoned you. God is with you. But don't worry. Don't lose your faith. Don't let the cares come and choke the Word of God out of your heart. You lift your hands to Jesus. You say, God, you are my Lord, Jehovah Jireh. You are my provider. My God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You praise God for the answer before the answer. You keep yourself in faith. You don't allow the the cares of life to weigh you down because they'll try to do it, believe me. So that choked people to the fact where they believe God doesn't love them because they're not, they're not um, secure in God's love. And the Bible says, Galatians, faith works by love. If you don't understand God's love, your faith can never operate because faith is not a formula. It's founded in the understanding and revelation of how much God loves you. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? You're a child of God. You're not alone. You're not a, 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 an orphan. You're not adopted. You are loved by God. So cast those cares upon Jesus Christ and keep on keeping on in your faith. The second thing, the deceitfulness of riches. That's why I make it very clear. We're not a prosperity gospel church. We are a purpose-driven church that says in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Because I think some messages that are preached is everybody is entitled to a certain house, a certain lifestyle, a certain this, a certain that, and it's nowhere in Scripture. You will not find it anywhere. I'll tell you this, God will do you right. You serve God, you're faithful where you are with what you have. You live in a one-bedroom apartment. Don't think about a 10-bedroom mansion. Serve God where you are. Love God where you are. Be faithful with what you have where you are in Jesus' name. Because sometimes, and I'll show you what the Bible says, people pursue riches. They lose their joy. They lose their peace. They lose their faith. They lose their integrity. They lose their character. They do anything for money and they think, well, that's God's blessing. No, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and He adds no sorrow to it. So your family should not fall apart. Your mind should not fall apart. Your physical health should not go down the toilet by the time you are 50 because all you did was work, 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 work for money, 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 money. No, you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You love God, you seek God. And God, if it's His plan for your life, He's going to promote you. He's going to exalt you. He's going to make you industrious. He's going to expand you to the left and the right. Come on, is this good preaching or what? Come on.
I mean, there are people working now that should be in church for money. There's a company in America, and I'm not criticizing anybody because I don't know who of you have businesses open on a Sunday. Just be sure God told you to do it. Like I said to Noretta when, when yeah, a million years ago, I said to her, our, the people that work in our home will not work on Sundays. So I can come back with my fat, lazy backside and they have to stay out of church and make sure I have a meal just because I'm lazy. They have the right to go to their families on a weekend. Can I have an amen from somebody? Come on. So we also had three little kids that we had to get ready. But I said the one thing we will not do. We will not make people work on a Sunday. They have to go worship God. Now I know I'm standing on some of your toes. It's okay. Jesus will heal you. But maybe this is going to be your breakthrough, okay? Maybe this is going to be your breakthrough. Treat and respect people. Treat them with dignity and honor. That woman working in your house is your sister in the Lord. It's not your slave. Whoops. I've got to fly away. My Lord, our time is too short. So the first group, you hear the word, the devil comes immediately to steal it. The second group, they, they hear the word, they receive it. They have no root in themselves. Trials, tribulation, persecution, for the word's sake, steal it. The third group, you hear the word, they endure the case of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Listen to what Paul says. Listen, I'm not anti-God-blessing people, but I, I've been a pastor now for 36 years. That's a long time. That's not two years. I've done this for 36 years, every Sunday, three, four times in my life. And I've watched. And it's one of the things that grieve me more than anything else, how people serve God faithfully until they get money. Why? They're faithful with their tithe, their offering, until they make a lot of money. Then suddenly they can't give God a cent. Why? I want to finance God's kingdom and God blesses them and you never see them again. Or you see them once in a while. And nobody can speak into their lives because money has now given them power. And we sit with a lot of wealthy people in the church. I love you, I honor you, but you better listen to me as a man of God and as your pastor. Sunday, come get yourself in the house of God. Be generous to do the kingdom of God the way you were generous when you started out, when you were earning a salary. Give God His rightful place in your life. I said it the other day, I'm yet to find. And it's a, it's a tough statement. In my ministry, I've been in the three top givers my whole ministry. I also have business interests on the side. One company, I don't want to tell you how much I give. There's, I think, one person that gives more than me on a monthly basis. I don't say it arrogantly, I say it factually. I say it factually. But I'm called to the ministry and I think, God, if you called me to business, I'd finance the kingdom. But I'm so tired of everybody saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And the minute God blesses them, they do absolutely nothing for God's kingdom because that money became a curse. That money was never a blessing. That money should not have been, I'm telling you, because it took them away from God. So sometimes it's better for people to suffer because while they suffer, they cry out to God. But once they have their deliverance like Israel, they follow other gods. 
And some suddenly God has no say over their lives. 36 years. Find a successful man that serves God. Not that gives because he wants some tax perks, etc. Man, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord, man. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. He holds your, your breath in the power of his hand. Honor the Lord. Love the Lord your God. You can die tomorrow. You have this one life, make it count. Say amen. Say, Pastor, that's a little bit intense. No, it's going to save some of you when you get, you make your 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, and everybody, everything talks to you. Buy a farm, buy a house, buy a boat, buy a this, buy a that, buy a that. Don't say, you buy a donkey, you don't see you. This is good for me. But you have never been in the church. You have never been in the home cell. You have never been in the church. Because your money has been God. Listen to me. Jy moet jouself van jou troon afkry. Jy moet jouself neerdrag kry. Jy moet jouself terugkry in die huis van die Heere. Jy moet jouself terugkry as die dienaar van God in Jesus naam hoor my. Now it's quiet. Oh past I thought this is a Presbyterian church. No, no, no. I despise that. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6 to 10, I have to go. People are waiting for me in Johannesburg. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness, I want to be more like Jesus, right? Not like the stupid world. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we carry nothing out. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. And those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money, not money. Money is neutral. Money reveals who you are. Money reveals your true character. For the love of money is the root, listen, of all kinds of evil. All evil, human trafficking, drug, drugs, prostitution. Every sin in this world is traced back to the love of money. That's why you cannot love money and love God. You cannot serve Jesus and serve mammon. That's why God says the one thing you will bring to me every month is your tithe. You will honor me with your money because mammon will never be your God. Mammon will never save you. I will bless you with money, but money can never become your mammon. That's why God says, honor me with your tithe and your offering. When I bless you, bring your portion and honor me. Stop debating and honor God. Trying to save somebody's soul here this morning. Some of you that have strayed away from the faith, you feel okay. That's a bad place to be. That means your conscience is seared. You serve God at your pace. You give nothing. God's blessed you. Can you remember where you come from? Can you remember who you were 30 years ago? How God has blessed you? God has blessed you. Now what are you doing?
The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I've seen it. 36 years of ministry. Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And the fourth group, I don't know if it's correct English, is R, M. The fourth group, M, U. The converted. How, you, how converted you are will determine 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Come on, family. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, believers praying in this place, it is not the time to run for the door, but it's our opportunity to come. And as we heard the word this morning, the seed has been sown. Pastor said it and made it clear that we have the opportunity and the decision to choose how we will receive the seed that was given to us. And God wants to save you this morning. There are many in this room and all the churches that are watching that you never knew Jesus before. And today you're in this place because someone invited you, because they love you more than you can ever imagine. That is why you are here today, because God has an appointment and a destiny with your life and He wants to meet you. Maybe you used to serve God, but for whatever reasons, you've drifted away. Things have gone in the way. But God is calling you back today. We cannot leave this building today without giving you that opportunity because the seed is sown and we are trusting that you will respond and it will be the good ground where the seed will fall. So as believers are praying and every head is bowed and every eye closed in this place, maybe you're saying, Pastor, I am not sure if I know God, if I would close my eyes when I die and I will be in heaven. Or maybe you used to serve Him, but you're not sure. Or maybe you just love to make sure if that is you, quietly wherever you are, I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand. Come on, our hands are being lifted all over this place. Thank you here on the flank, on the balcony. Come on, if that is you, quietly, when no one is looking around, just slip it up and say, God, I'm coming back to you this morning. Come on, our hands are being lifted on the flank. Thank you. Here in the bottom blocks. Thank you so much. Come on, there's an urgency. So believers, come on, let's press in and pray. Because there's a battle going on in the hearts of people. Some of you are experiencing that uneasiness in your heart. And you're not sure what you're feeling, but you can feel there's a pull. Don't be that person that hardens their heart this morning. And the seed fell on the, on the stony ground. But let it be on good ground this morning. Come on, those that lifted the hand can put it down. If you have not lifted it, come on, lift it now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the hands. God bless you. God bless you at the top. Come on on the flank. Thank you so much. Amen, family. We want to say to every single one of you that's standing in the front that everything that our pastor do, this whole service, is exactly there because we want you to have this encounter. And every one of us standing in this building had that encounter in our life. And we are better for it because of this. But the encounter is the first part. In a moment, we're going to lead you in a prayer where you're going to receive Jesus. And He's going to come and live in your heart. But through that, we would love to walk with you. Because as a family, it's important that we stay together. Every one of us are still together because of family. Because someone took us to home cell. Someone was walking through us, through our storm. Yes, we have Christ now. But we still have to have practical knowledge where family comes in to guide us and to help us. 
And that is what it's all about. So you, everyone that's standing in the front, if you can be so kind, just to put your hand on your heart for a moment, close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And in a moment, you're going to ask God to come into your life and your life will never be the same again. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I thank you, Lord, that I ask you today to forgive me of all my sins. Lord, I'm sorry that I lived without you. But today, I choose your love. I choose your grace. I choose your forgiveness. I thank you, Father, that as far as the east is from the west, so far you have removed my sins. I thank you, Father, that I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again and that you live forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, family. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.